Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. What a refreshing thing to walk in and feel the presence of the Lord in such a real and palatable fashion. I'm glad. Amen, that we have the opportunity to again be here in this place and let the Spirit of God touch our lives. Now we are here, and so now let us avail ourselves to the infallible Word of God and those irrevocable truths that will ring for all of eternity. It is not whether or not I believe. Amen. It's forever settled. I don't have to agree with it in order for it to be true. I'm thankful that we are privileged to warm our hands and our hearts over the word of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, I will ask you to join me in the book of Matthew 1 and 23. Amen. You used to say, turn with me to Matthew 1, 23. <laughs> I guess I said that because I'm old. Amen. So just join me, ever how you want to get there. Follow along on the screen. You may have an old-fashioned Bible. Need to lick your fingers and turn the pages. Thank God. Amen for that. And uh, ever how you want to get there, your phone, your tablet. Amen. Let's just get into the word of the Lord today and let his word speak to us. Praise God. The book of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. I understand that we just came through in the month of December, a time of celebration of the birth of Christ. And so I'm not running behind today. I believe the Lord really has us right on time. Amen. A virgin shall be with child. This is more than just about a moment in time uh, where we might feel warm and fuzzy for the addition of a child into the home and the life of parents. Amen. But the captivating portion of all of this is that thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being an interpreted is God with us. Today, with the help of the Lord, and I have humbly asked the Lord for his help today in a special way, I want to teach on the incarnation, and I pray that the Spirit of God will just touch our minds and our hearts together and let the Spirit of the Lord touch us in such a way that his word can be revelatory. Amen. Now, you have to look. If you want to see, you have to look. We're going to talk about that. And, uh, and so if we're diligent in our search of Scripture and diligent in our hunger and our thirst, I know you're standing, but I want, I've got good news today. You don't have to have an exhaustive understanding of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation because the Lord will reveal himself to hungry people. And so the only thing I'm asking for today, I want to just create a hunger in your heart 
And if we can hunger after the Lord, then he can and will reveal himself to us. I think what the Lord reveals is obviously going to be substantiated by scripture, but I have found it unique and wonderfully unique, I would say, through the years how that God does reveal himself. He may, as he often did with other things, he used he spoke parabolically, using parables. And uh, I've had people that have told me about dreams they've had where the Lord dealt with them about the incarnation of Christ. And uh, the Lord, in their dream, just used something common to them to help show them the way. So today, God can can help us. And so I realize I'm, in some respects, preaching to the choir. I'm not intimidated about that because if you already know it, I want to underline it with the help of the Lord today because you know what? There's a shaking going on that would shake the foundation and the fundamental root of, of what we believe. And so today I, I pray to, that, that uh, you will help us. If your faith hasn't been challenged, it will be. It will be. So that's why we need to just come by here. We're just going to check the moorings today. That's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to kick the tires and just make sure the foundation's still there. Amen. God bless you and thank you for standing. I had you stand extra because there's just no telling when I'm going to finish. He's like, he's like, he's just being so kind today, just so kind, so kind. Amen. We do have some impending weather kind of pushing in on us, and and uh, we'll just pray the Lord to help us with all of that. Amen. And so let's move on. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself as a spirit, and that spirit often communicated to humankind various occasion and, and various ways. These moments came by, uh, sometimes came by visions or these moments in times came by dreams. Sometimes they even came through temporary physical appearances and uh, these temporary physical appearances or these manifestations of the Lord are, are what we call or know as theophanies and uh, it's just an appearance of the Lord. In the New Testament, however, God came to us in human form specifically. And that specific purpose was to pay sin's price with his own blood. He didn't come to just do signs, miracles, and wonders. And he wasn't, as I've often said, he wasn't just walking among us to do a few card tricks to entertain the troops. By no means. There was something very eternal and weighty about the incarnation. And so when God came to this earth in Christ, he did so, he did so in the role or in the character of the son of God. And I think it's important that we understand that terminology that when he came to the earth in the flesh of Jesus Christ, he came in the role or he came in the character of the son of God and not God the Son. You'll not find that in anywhere in Scripture. It's important to note that because the Bible always or often refers to him as the Son of God, but never, never God the Son. When God came in Christ, Jesus was the person at the center of this stage. He was the centerpiece. And this is why when Philip said, show us the Father, this is why Jesus replied in this manner. He said, 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. This is not some young man on an ego trip, but here was God manifested in flesh who was trying to reveal himself to those he was with. The entire story, perhaps, of the incarnation is wrapped into the words of 2 Corinthians 5, 19, where the scripture said, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Major doctrines of the Bible. I think you will find this common um, continuity or this continuity throughout scripture that major doctrines of the Bible run just beneath the surface, as one writer said, like seams of gold or seams of silver. They may be uh, unnoticed by the casual observer or maybe somebody that's just sort of seeking a shallow experience with God could perhaps overlook many treasures that are in the word of God. They are there. I will say and use the word hidden but I use that word hidden in context and I hope to explain that in just a moment. And so I have often said, not to sound crass or unkind, that it's entirely possible for people to live for God for years and be very shallow in their real understanding of the Lord and of scripture and various other things. And so you can can be a, a mile wide and an inch deep, sadly. And so I say that we need to be more than casual observers and we need to pick our Bible up to do more than just check through the bread program every morning. Amen, we need to get into the word of God and study, amen, and let the spirit of God reveal itself to you because the jewels of of truth, the real jewels of truth are reserved for those who hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God. Now, you know, I think this has happened to perhaps all of us, at least many of us. There have, has been someone teaching the word of God on any given subject, preaching, teaching the word of God, and, um, and just say something that has so much revelation behind it. And, and uh, you're going, wow, how did I not see that? I mean, it was... It was just like they just took one shovel full of dirt and turned it over and there was this vein of truth and, and this wonderful, wonderful, ir, uh, ir, undeniable power of, of the word of God. And so all they did was the, we are rejoicing in the fact that they uncovered something for us. It would be just like somebody mining for gold and putting it in a vessel and just holding it up here and you'd be thinking, man, why, why don't I have that? Well, somebody went through a lot of trouble to get that. Somebody dug and and uh, somebody availed themselves to the spirit and the presence of God in prayer and in hunger and thirst after God. And so those that seek out the Lord and seek his word will discover, invariably, will discover these strands of biblical truths. Amen. They're there. They're there for us to discover. They're there for us to get our hands on. Matthew 5 and 6 said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so God's not hiding something for the sake of playing spiritual hide and seek, but he's also wanting people to have a hunger and a thirst to get to know him, to really get to know him. It's apparent that the word of God is designed to reveal truth to those who are sincere and humble in their search. 
Amen. I told someone the other day, Brother Gibson uh, Sr. the other day, I saw him uh, one day in the middle of the week. He said, what have you been doing today? I said, you know what I've been doing today? I've been reading the word of God. And he, and he kind of looked at me because <laughs> I was like, I was really making a big point about that. And he smiled kind of a crooked grin and said, you know, why would a preacher be saying he's been reading the Bible? Wouldn't you just be doing it? And so I was baiting him. I really was baiting him. And so when I thought I had him and the hook said, I was just reading the word of God. I wanted to be fair and honest with the Lord. I want to pick up this book when I'm not just looking for a sermon series to teach or I'm not just looking for a message to preach. I just want to read the word of God. I'm, I'm not boasting in that. I just want to get in the word. I just want to read it for no reason. I just want to see what may be there and, and let the Lord break off a little bit of something in our heart. And so I think when people can humbly search the word of God, amen, I think there should be a spirit of humility and a spirit of sincerity about that. Amen, I prayed, I pray a lot this prayer, but I certainly prayed it this morning. And I said, Lord, I wanna, I, I want to give understanding and I need your help to do that. I want to be able to make sense of the scripture, as the word says, to make sense of this. And so I want to always sincerely search the word of God, but I want to humbly search the word of God. Now, I'm pausing here for a little while because, uh, with intention, because sometimes I think that people, when they feel like they've got something, they want to beat everybody else to death with it. Amen. And so we need to get it, but we also need to understand that the word is sharp. And if you're not careful, you can do more damage. So you need to humbly search out the word of God because you have something very, very powerful in your hand. Several years ago, my son bought a pistol and it was a, uh, it was a, it would shoot two shells. It was a, it was a 357 that would shoot 38. Okay. And so, I don't know how many does that hold, like six or so, eight, okay, so he, he puts four of the 38s in it, and uh, then he puts four of the 357s, and he turns the chamber, and so he says, this way you can kind of tell the difference between the two, and so we were sitting in the backyard, and so uh, four times with the 38, and that was pretty cool, and then when we got to the 357. Some of you who, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm leaving some of you out of this, this scenario, but you can tell from the giggles in the room that we went from kid stuff, so to speak, to a man's world. And I just remember, I fired the first shot, am I telling the truth, and I handed it back to him. There was just something frightening. I'm not trying to sound... I realize that made me sound a little bit lacy when I said that, but I just, it was just frightening. There was a backstory to that. There's a backstory. There's a backstory to that. Wow, it was such a great illustration and going really well. But there was just something powerful. It was just reminiscent of a very, a very tragic thing. And I, I thought, my goodness, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and so when I realized the power, and so I used that illustration this morning to think and to share with you that we need to humbly search the word of God because you have something that powerful in your hand. And I see how some people wield the word of God and it scares the thunder out of me. Amen, because you're, you're, you have something in your hand that can heal and help, but it can also kill and destroy 
And so I say humbly, Lord, before you today, help me teach this gospel, amen, and let me seek your word. And so I wanna, I wanna do that humbly. I've covered enough of that. Sadly, I think many people don't take time to search the word of God. Can I pause right here and tell you that this is just an added benefit of teaching personal Bible studies. Amen. This is an added benefit of you teaching home Bible studies. Somebody says, well, I can't do that. I can't, but here, hear me just for a second. And I didn't realize we were going to segue into a little advertisement here, but when you're sharing the word of God, Amen. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like sharing the word of God. And so what happens is you're not only taking people to the rudiment or fundamental uh, principles of truth, you're taking yourself there. And it underlines it again and again and again and again. Amen. And so if we don't take the time to search out God's word, then we are going to miss some of the jewels. And teaching personal Bible studies or home Bible studies is a wonderful way to search out the word of God. Amen. In Matthew eleven twenty five and 26, the scripture says, I'm just reading this, that Jesus said some of the truths of his word were hid from the wise and prudent and were revealed unto babes. I think that it has everything to do with our sincerity and God knows the intention of our heart. If you're just trying to get a hold of something to disprove something else, God understands that and he's not gonna allow his word to just be a, 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 a trinket in your hand and so he can hide it from the wise and prudent and reveal it to babes. It, it may seem uh, that uh, somewhat unfair in that uh, that God may uh, cause uh, only the, the revelation of his word to be handed to those with diligence in their search, but I think that in some ways it, it makes perfect sense that God says, I want you to love me enough to search me out and love me enough to just know more than my name or love me enough to know me, get to know me. Amen. And some may even feel like God is trying to hide truth from people, but nothing, nothing could be further from reality. He's not trying to hide that. Our spiritual maturity is determined by our desire and our willingness to seek the Lord. Amen. And so we must be seekers of his truth. The incarnation, I think, is one biblical truth that unfortunately is misunderstood by many. In the incarnation, God became flesh and blood. Amen. The one God who revealed himself to Abraham, to Moses, and to others in the Old Testament truly took on humanity for one cause and purpose, and that was to redeem mankind from their sin. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. God took upon himself our humanity in Jesus Christ. Jesus was both fully God and fully man. Even the Bible says in John 1 and 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus Christ was crucified by the very nation in which he was born because they did not believe his claim that he was God in the flesh. They were very off put by that as a matter of fact. The rulers of that world did not realize that, that God was walking with them. If they had, they would have never crucified him. Amen, they misunderstood. As a matter of fact, Jesus' own people of Israel did not understand who he was. 
And as a matter of fact, they accused him of being an imposter. They accused him of being a blasphemer. Therefore, it should not surprise us today that men still do not recognize him as the mighty God in Christ. And so with the help of the Lord, let's look into his word this morning for some answers. The Bible says in John chapter one and verse one and two, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same, the scripture said, was in the beginning with God. So before anything of this earthly realm existed, God was there. He was there. He was from everlasting to everlasting. He is eternally alive. He exists in the past equally as much as he exists in the future. Amen. He alone has no beginning. He has no end. He has always existed because he is God. In the book of Exodus chapter three and verse 14, when Moses inquired of God as to who should I say, amen, I need a name, I need some authority by which I would approach Pharaoh and say, let these people go. God gave his name to Moses as I am. He did not say I was or I shall be, amen, but he said I am, I am. It sounds a little unusual to us because we are trapped in time. Everything to us has a beginning and everything to us has an end and so it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that that with God there is no beginning and there is no end. He is not trapped nor is he relegated to the realm of time. As a creator, he was before all things and he shall be the, at the conclusion of all things. He is God Almighty, the eternally self-existent one. In the Old Testament, the relationship God had with his creation was primarily through his written or his spoken word. I'm gonna say that again, amen. In the Old Testament, the relationship that God had with his creation was primarily through his written word or his spoken word. Again, as I mentioned a moment ago, God did not reveal himself in any permanent form in the Old Testament. He did indeed reveal himself, his attributes, His he revealed attributes of himself like love, Holiness or justice, mercy, power, splendor. I guess that list could go on and on. Israel knew that God was a spirit being who had called Abraham to be the father of a special people. They also knew that he had manifested himself through a voice. He had also manifested himself through demonstrations of his miraculous power. There were manifestations of God. They also recognized him as the creator of all things by his power, by his wisdom, and by the authority of his word. In in the book of Hebrews, if we look there, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and three, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I mean, what we see, what we have and know today were framed by the word of God. 
Amen. I don't want, I want to pause right here and tell you that when we talk about the word of God, sometimes we have the word of God trapped into certain settings in our mind. As in when the Lord said, let there be light and there was light. That was the word of God. The, the, the going forth of the word of God, the speaking of the word of God. Many times in scripture, we see the Lord speak. Amen. The word of God. He moved on the hearts of men of old. They were moved on by the Spirit to write the Word of God. I want to tell you today that that somewhere in the mix of of uh, our 21st century thinking, we kind of can look at church as just somewhere we go, and we can look at a preacher as that's just something they do. Amen. The preacher can be much like the guy that works behind the counter at Napa. That's just what he does. Or the lady that works behind the counter at the bakery, that's just what she does. But can I tell you today that there's the word of God is going forth and the word ought to have the preeminence in our life today, just like it did in Genesis 1 and God said. Now, I'm not feathering my own nest. I want us to understand that, that when it comes time for the preaching, that's not time to check out a church. Amen, that's time to lean in because the spirit of the Lord is gonna speak to us. His word is going to go forth. His word's gonna go forth in various levels. Obviously, we're gonna teach from his word, but I believe that if the scripture says that if everything were written that could be written, the world would not contain the book. And so I think the only way God can speak beyond this book, hear me now, The only way God can speak beyond these 66 books is to anoint a voice, amen, and let the Lord give an anointed word. That word could be prophetic, amen, that word could be a number of things, but God can anoint his messenger to give a relevant word. I get it, amen, I understand where some of you may be thinking, amen, I'm not talking about adding to or taking away, it's just gonna be something that would coincide, something that would fit hand in glove with what we already have, but I'm gonna tell you, I don't I don't wanna miss the reading of the word of God, but I sure don't wanna miss that Rima word of God that the Lord would speak into my heart and speak into my life during any given service. Praise God. Amen. I'm gonna tell you that that I always try to come to the pulpit prepared, but there have been many things that I have said, perhaps on almost every service, that were not things that I that I decided I'm gonna say. I didn't decide this yesterday, Friday, or or this morning. But God just touched my heart. Amen. I'm going to tell you that if that every minister in here would admit this today, if they had the same opportunity, that they've been speaking and the Lord given them something that they had not even thought of before. And you just got to keep yourself in check because there's times you want to stop and go, wow, wow. And somebody would misunderstand you as just kind of stroking your own ego. But you're, you want to say, wow, because... Man, I've been preaching things and something like that pop out and while I'm still talking in my mind, I'm thinking, you gotta write that down. You gotta write that down. <laughs> you gotta write that down. Amen, why? Because it was that Rima word of God that just came to us. Amen, I don't know why I'm pausing here, but I just feel like that the spirit of the Lord would have us understand the importance of his word. Amen, when the preacher gets to the pulpit, whether here or anywhere, me or anybody, my goodness alive, don't, don't, 
Amen, that's not the time. You know, we've had to update our illustrations years ago. We used to say that's not the time to get your checkbook register caught up, you know. So many of those, so few of those even exist today. But amen, so let me just say this. When the preacher's preaching, that's not the time to check Facebook. That's not the time to do this or that or the other. I need to lean in. I don't want to miss a Rima word of God. I don't want to miss anything, but I sure don't want to miss something that God would have inserted there just for me. I'm, I'm going to say one more thing and move on, but how many of us have been in those services, whether it was a few of us gathered or we may have been together with thousands of people in a service and we just felt like God just scooted everybody out of the way and the Lord just laid a message on that preacher's heart that had nobody's name on it but yours, nobody's address on it but yours and, and you just wanted to thank everybody, you just wanted to stand at the end of the service and say thank all of y'all for coming tonight and hear this message that was preached just for me. We've all been there. We've all been there. It's like God just read our mail. It was just like somebody was listening. Somebody was, you know, somebody was on the phone with a preacher. Somebody was just telling him all these intricate details and he just got up and walked right up to our front door. The word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what happened by the word. I took too much time there, but I think the Lord was in it. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Psalms 33 and 6, David said, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. When God speaks. <laughs> I mean, if I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I mean, it'd blow our mind if the Lord just went. <laughs> when the Lord speaks, just the breath of his mouth. Amen. Just the breath of his mouth. The power of God's spoken word is indestructible. Within the human <clears throat> structure of authority on earth, let's think about it this way. Some people speak with authority and their subordinates listen. That's within the structure of authority on earth. However, in each and with each human authority figure, there are limits on the demands they can make. Within the context of human authority, we know there are people that have authority and when they speak, their subordinates listen. But there is a cap or a ceiling on their authority. Amen? Therefore, we find it hard to imagine the kind of authority that we're talking about today that a demanded action would immediately follow a command that Jesus said it and it's done. Amen. That's the power of the word of God. This speaks to what happens when God speaks. There is a supreme power in the authority of God's word, whether that word is spoken or written. Recorded in Matthew 8 is the story of a centurion. I, I think this is probably one of the neatest, one of the neatest stories in scripture, at least to me along these lines. Who, here was a man who came to Jesus because he had a servant that needed healing. He had a servant that was not with him. The servant was at home and he was suffering from palsy. And so he made his request to the Lord to pray for his servant and Jesus agreed to come to his home to heal the servant. 
But here was a centurion, a man of great earthly wisdom. Amen. And he's displayed so much faith that God himself, amen, the Lord had to just marvel at him. The Bible said in Matthew 8 and 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Here was a man who understood authority. He said, for I, I am a man under authority. Amen. I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth and do another come and he cometh and to my servant do this and he doeth it. Amen. He said, I get authority. And so he said, it's not necessary for you to come to my house. Thank you. I'm not worthy for you to walk in the door. He said, I don't only, not, a, not only am I a man under authority, but I have, I am a man in authority. I have men under me. I say, go, they go. I say, come, they come. I say, do this, they do this. And so he said, all you need to do, Lord, is just speak the word. Amen. And when he said that, Jesus heard it. He marveled and he turned. Amen. And in, in my mind's eye, he turned and ignored those that were the, the man in front of him and looked to those who followed and he said I have not found so great faith no not in Israel amen here's a man who gets it he understood that the word of God is sufficient for the day the satyrian obviously recognized not only the power of authority but I think he recognized the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. Again, he was not entertaining the troops. This was not signs, miracles, and wonders so that everybody goes home happier at the end of the day. He said this is a man with supreme authority. Not just a little bit of authority, but supreme authority. He understood that all Jesus needed to do was speak the word and healing would take place because the word of God is eternal. Thank God for the word. As I stated earlier, throughout the Old Testament, God communicated with humanity through various functions, through visions, voices, prophets, dreams. On occasion, he used temporary, temporarily used visual means to communicate with mankind. We know these brief appearances of God uh, have various manifestations, of the, as, and I said a moment ago, those are referred to, we refer to those as theophanies, amen, where God appeared in some form. Let's consider just a couple of those to kind of bring this into focus for you. At times, God appeared in the form of a man. He did so to Jacob in Genesis 32 in an all-night prayer meeting, amen, which resulted in Jacob's name changed, being changed to Israel. He also appeared in the form of a man to Joshua in Joshua 5.13, revealed himself as the captain of the Lord of hosts when they were coming into the promised land. He also revealed himself in the form of, of an angel to Moses. He spoke in the midst of a burning bush, calling him to lead Israel, Israel out of Egyptian bondage in Exodus 3. He also, re he also revealed himself as an angel to Samson's mother and father to inform them about the birth of their son and that he was to be a Nazarite in Judges 13. Just a couple of examples there. In the Old Testament, God did not take on any permanent form. He reserved the greatest manifestation for later in, in the New Testament when he would reveal himself as the son of God. The word was made flesh 
in the New Testament. The term word in John 1 and 1, I read that scripture a moment ago, is translated from the Greek, from the Greek word logos. Logos is a Greek term translated as word, speech, principle, or thought. Word, speech, principle, or thought. Since John was addressing primarily Greeks, he used the word logos. He used something they could relate to, to refer to God in a way that would effectively communicate God's thought or God's plan for humanity. I think the most startling thing in John 1 was what John said in chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so John declared that the God who created the universe in the very beginning has now, amen, taken on flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. God had now become flesh. While many people have varying ideas of who God really is, we can only know the one true God by the revelation of his eternal enduring word. We need the word of God to speak that to our hearts. Amen. We have to ask an all important question, I think each of us to ourselves. What does the Bible say about who God is? If I may today, I want to just be real clear that I'm not trying to give you an apostolic spin on anything. Amen, this is not our take. I'm not reading from another Bible. Amen, let's ask ourselves, what does the word of God have to say? Amen, so if you wanna see the revelation of the mighty God in Christ, here's my advice. The Bible says, seek and you'll find. Ask, amen, the Bible says, knock. The door will be open. And so I think to the hungry and to the humble, God will reveal himself Amen, I believe that he will reveal himself. Amen, I, I, I would also say this this morning and I please receive this in the spirit that I say it in. Amen, but I believe that with this revelation there should come this warning. Amen, that when God reveals himself to you, amen, and the revelation of the word of God begins to be manifested in your life, you are going to be accountable from that moment forward. Amen. Now hear the preacher this morning because I'm doing more teaching right now than I've done up to this point. Amen. Or as much as I've done up to this point, I should say. Amen. Once God begins to reveal certain truths of his word to us, there is no going back. Amen. You can't unsee it. You can't unlearn it. You can't unhear it no more than you can unring a bell or put a genie back in a bottle. Amen. And I've watched a lot of people get to um, this moment in truth and here's why I'm sounding the trumpet today. A lot of people get to this moment in truth and realize, wait a minute, now this is running against the grain of culture or this is running against the grain of tradition or this is running against the grain of whatever. But let me tell you today, if God would love us enough and love me enough, amen, to reveal and make bare who he is to me, amen, then I can't worry about a generation or somebody else in my life Amen. Amen. Is that all right? I've got to say, if he can come to me, 
Amen, I say this truthfully and humbly, but I say, Lord, if you can reveal this to me, then you can reveal this to anybody. Amen, you can reveal this to anybody. And so I say, Lord, amen, let your spirit come to those who are open and willing. But you know what? We all have the privilege and the opportunity to say no. Because we all have our own will. So we must be very, very careful. Amen. I want to have the attitude that Paul had in Philippians 3.10 when he said that I may know him. That I may know him. That I may know him. And so I want to know him. But to whom much is given, much is required. And so when the Lord reveals himself to us and various aspects of himself to us and people ask us, amen, we're required to tell it. Amen, we're required to speak up and to share what we know. Amen, God, who is an eternal spirit, manifested himself to us. He manifested himself as a father in creation, as the son of God in redemption, and as the Holy Ghost in in regeneration. And so we never deny these three manifestations. We don't deny the manifestation of the father, We don't deny the manifestation of the Son and don't deny the manifestation of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Amen. We know these three manifestations are of the one true God whose name is Jesus. Colossians 2 and 9, the Bible says, for in him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God is indivisible. Amen, you need to bring the Sunday school students in, that's okay. Amen, God is indivisible. He revealed himself in many different ways in the, in the Old Testament. He is known as the father of creation. He was the spirit that moved on the face of the waters. He was the voice that spoke in the burning bush. He was the angel that visited Abraham in Genesis 18 in the heat of the day. With many, many other manifestations, amen, God revealed himself. Amen, stay with me now, okay? With many other manifestations, God revealed himself. I don't want you to think I'm odd, but I want you to hear me today. Amen, I believe that God revealed himself as the manna. Amen. God revealed himself as the man. Am I right, Brother Rayleigh? Amen. Daily, that that wafer that was on the ground, that frost that was on the ground, that was a manifestation of God. I'm not being unkind, but that was a manifestation of God. Amen. But it was not God the manna. When Moses struck the rock and the water flowed out of that rock, Amen, I believe that that was a manifestation of God. Amen, that God manifested himself by that water, but that was not God the water. That was just a manifestation. Each manifestation was just that, a manifestation and not a person of God. And this was why God was revealing himself in different ways. In the New Testament, however, God took upon himself a human body. And the, and the human nature to reveal his love, his mercy, and his desire to redeem those who would believe in him. Hebrews 2 and 16, the Bible says, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He didn't come just in an angelic visitation, but he came, he took on the seed of Abraham. He came in the flesh. 
Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Here it is, amen, reconciliation for the sins of the people. The wonderful message of Christ's birth is this, God personally came into the human family to save his people from their sin. Amen, when those shepherds looked into the manger and viewed this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, they were looking at God manifested in the flesh. Amen, this was a powerful, powerful moment. This was more than just a manger. Amen, this was more than just a child in a manger, but this was God Almighty among mankind. Hallelujah. The supreme sacrifice, if I may go ahead and say, they were looking at God manifested in the flesh. This was God himself in humanity who would become one of us that he might redeem us. Jesus, the only begotten son of God. That's what the scripture says. Amen. The word begotten comes from the Greek word that means only born or the only born. Jesus is the only only visible image God ever created for himself for man to see. Amen. Jesus is the expressed image of an invisible God. Jesus did not exist in a formal, in a physical form rather before his birth. He was God in eternity. And by taking upon himself the human form, he became the visible image of an invisible God. That's what Colossians chapter one says. When God took on himself the form of man, his deity, hear me now, was not diminished by the human nature in which it dwelt. He was all God and he was all man. In other words, the one true God who was the creator was manifested in flesh as God incarnate. Jesus confounded the Jewish leaders with his startling statement recorded in John 8 and 58. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You know, we can read that and it doesn't bug us a minute. We can read that, that doesn't bother us, that doesn't bother us, but I'm gonna tell you to the audience he was speaking to, that was water in their face. He spit on them. Amen, yes. He slapped them with these words. Before Abraham was, I am, they were not only shocked, but they were furious. How arrogant could this man be to claim to have existed before Abraham? He was there. They could touch him and they refused to see him for who he was. We can shake our heads at how sad that is. And it is a very sad thing. But do you know that same thing plays out week in and week out in churches all around the world when God is in the place? Amen. The Lord is manifesting himself. He is wanting to reveal himself and yet we are too busy to pause. Amen. We're oblivious of what the Lord is really trying to do 
Amen. Is that all right? I'm not just trying to get up in your business today, but I'm going to tell you that sometimes the Lord is trying to speak and we're busy thinking, well, that's not my style of singing. And the Lord is trying to move and we say, that's not my favorite singer. And the Lord is trying to move, well, I didn't, I wish it was somebody else preaching today. And the Lord is trying to reveal himself. Amen. It's no different in 2017 than it was the day that Jesus said this to these men before Abraham I was, was I am. Amen. They missed it. They missed it. If I could pause and pastor here for just a second, I'm troubled, behooved, and bewildered when I see the spirit and the power and the presence of God move and Holy Ghost professing people get up and walk out with no tears in their eyes. I mean, they get, they're totally unmoved. That bewilders me. That troubles me. Amen, it's troubling. I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm telling you that it scares me. It scares me. You say, well, now what are you trying to say? How many times we jump? That's good. You count how many times we jump? You count how many times we run? No, don't, uh, we're not here to foolishly debate something like that. But I'm telling you that we are having the presence of God in powerful visitations. And some people are tapping into it and some people are oblivious to it. And I say, God, why? I mean, I go home. I, I'm not going home to try to critique the song or what key we sang it in or critique the message. But I'm going home and saying, Lord, what in the world? is stopping us from stepping through this glass ceiling? What is stopping us from piercing through? God, you're wanting to do something powerful in our midst. Amen. God is wanting to reveal something about himself to us. I'm not angry this morning. I'm troubled in my heart and I'm just telling you that the spirit of God, I humbly say I speak on God's behalf today to tell you that he's grieved. He's grieved when he wants to reveal some of himself and we just say, I'm not interested. I've got other things to do. I gotta be at the restaurant by this time. I gotta be over here by that time. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I say, Lord, if he were to physically walk in this building, we would cancel every plan we got. But can I tell you today, he's in this building and it's worth canceling everything you've got. Praise God. I feel healing in this house right now. I'm telling you, I feel healing in this house right now. In the name of the Lord, I say, God, step here among us. Step here among us. I'm not trying to poke this morning. I'm not trying to prod. I'm not trying to start a fight. Amen. With anybody here, I'm just telling us that we ought to be moved. Amen. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, they were throwing their coats down. They were throwing palm branches down. Why? Because he was coming into their midst. Move us. Move us. Amen. Move us. I have enough sense to know that it's more than just demonstration or being demonstrative. Because you could stand and jump up and down and still not be moved. You could run around this building, walk on the backs of the pews, swing on chandeliers if they were present, and still not really be moved. So please don't misunderstand me. But oh God, help us to be moved. Help us to be moved. He's here. 
Oh, is he here? At the risk of sounding pompous, I'm gonna tell you that I know he's here. I invited him this morning. (laughs) I'll take that one step further. I begged him not to let me walk to this pulpit without him standing by me. So I know he's here. I know he's in this house. I know he's in this house. And so he's wanting to reveal himself today. He's wanting to make bare his arms today so that we can understand him. Paul said, I'm repeating myself, but Paul said, oh, that I may know him, that I may know him. Praise the name of the Lord. I think we ought to lift up our hands and our voices right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we could just tap into this. Amen. There's a vein of truth. There's a vein of hope. There's a vein of anointing. God is wanting to expand in this place today. Hallelujah. Stir us, holy God. Stir us, holy God, in this house. Stir us with your power, with your passion. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Stir us by the authority of the Holy Ghost. Stir us by the authority of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to stay connected. Amen. But I don't think the Lord is through speaking. Amen, so just stay connected. You can stand or be seated, whatever is your your pleasure here. Amen, but why did God need to take on a physical form? Why couldn't he just continue speaking through spirits and voices and theophanies? Why, Why? amen, that's what he did throughout the Old Testament. So why the change of M.O.? purpose for that is because God had a plan in mind from the very foundation of the world. It was a plan by which God would redeem people from their sinful nature as a result of the fall in the Garden of Eden. God's holiness and justice would not allow him to fellowship with that which was tainted by sin. So God could not just continue to manifest himself in an angel here or a man there or a voice here or a fire there or manna here. But God had to do something about the sin that had been, as far as man was concerned, irrevocably placed in the lineage of of man. 
the power of sin in mankind had to be destroyed in order for there to be reconciliation with God. You see, Ezekiel and other scriptures, but Ezekiel 18 and 4 says, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You see that common thread? You gotta deal with sin. And so, when mankind sinned, they tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves and they, they, they had sewn them together, but their best effort was insufficient. Sin required a death. It required the sacrifice of a life. Here's the plan of God all the way back in Genesis. All the way back in Genesis. The mind of God has a plan. Death, blood, covering. Amen. God had rejected man's bloodless solution. When he did, he covered Adam and Eve with coats of skin of sacrificed animals. That was the beginning of a trail of blood that would lead to a river of blood, to say the least, through the sacrifices of the law of Moses. But yet that would all be insufficient. The blood of bulls and goats would not cleanse mankind from sin. It was just a temporary solution at best in what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. (laughs) amen God sent a sacrifice no blood was pure enough no blood nothing could be found without sin or failure there was no blood that could atone for mankind's sin problems Adam's sin had transmitted this infectious disease of sin to the entire human race and so God in his foreknowledge knew man's need for redemption before he ever sinned God has a plan God has a plan. According to Revelation 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was the lamb slain from where? From the foundation of the world. Amen. This was no no quick, haste, knee-jerk plan B. Amen. God knew the awful gulf into which man would descend called sin. He knew there was only one way to deliver mankind from the prison of sin and death. Therefore, God came personally in human form to save us, not just from, but out of our sins. Oh, yes, he did. God came in flesh to pay the awful price of sin, death on the cross. He took on our sins that we might be able to experience his sinless nature. Amen. Powerful thing happened when he said, it is finished. Amen. Mission accomplished. Sin dealt with. Amen. Let's stand across the building. Sin dealt with I I know you you know the story but don't ever forget its importance that when those words were uttered the veil in the temple was torn again some of that can be lost to us 
the significance of that. But to those who were there, somebody had to be saying, look at here, look at here. Never been able to go in there. Never had access like this. That meant that man, common man, could go into the presence of the Lord. He said, I must go away. But I'm going to send something back. (laughs) Who will be in you. The fulfillment of the old prophet that said his word's not just going to be written on tables of stone, but it'll be written on the heart of men. Or in other words, God was going to live in side. And that was his access, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He said, go to Jerusalem, tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Something's going to happen very significant. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is coming to live in you. You're not just going to have to stand by me, but I'm going to live in you. We didn't have to come here to visit him today. We brought him with us. If we have the Holy Ghost, if you have the Holy Ghost, you brought him with you. Amen. The incarnation of God. What a powerful, powerful thing. He robed himself in flesh, took on our sin, in all points tempted, like as we said in the scripture, yet without sin. That's why the scripture says that we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's why we can confidently go to him in prayer about anything. In all points tempted, I'm just crazy enough to take that at face value. That whatever I ask God about, he gets it. He gets it. And no matter how tangled up I may be as a person and no matter how weird I may be because of my own personal makeup, amen, I have this consolation that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and he made me so he gets all of that even. And he understands the times that I can't get it. He understands the times that I don't understand. He gets it. And I'm gonna tell you before the Lord that I have sat down on these very altars when my vocabulary was woefully inadequate and just simply said, Lord, you know. I don't even know what to say, but you know, you know. (laughs) I'm glad that he knows. Amen, I wonder if we'd just lift our hands again. Amen, our voices again. My God, I love you today, Jesus. What are we saying? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2000. 
2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.